guys, it's Teresa, the host of You Can Tell Me Anything, the podcast where comedians confess something they've never told anyone before. Quick announcement, my short film uh, is going to be playing in Los Angeles again at the Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival on May 7th. So if you guys are interested, follow the film at I Think She Likes You Film or me at Larissa T on all the socials. Um, but I'm going to introduce my guest um, because her and I, she and I, her and I, she and I are co-workers. Uh, she's wearing a great Hawaiian shirt and she's got some Great news in the works that she's not able to tell you yet. So you got to follow her at her um, Instagram and Twitter and all the socials at L-E-M-C-E. It's Ellie McElvain. What's up? Hello. Wow. It's good to hang out here. It is. The place that, yeah. This place of productivity. (laughs) We do work together during the day and then uh, we both do stand up. So it's always nice to run into. I I like seeing stand up people. Um, at workplaces, Working. and then I like seeing work people out, outside at stand-up places. Do you know what I mean? I, mean, oh, I, like I pe- don't like that. Oh, you don't? I like seeing people yeah. in places you're not used to seeing. Yeah, you that's don't like fun. That. It just depends for me. Yeah, I mm. don't like when work people come to my stand-up shows because I feel like, I don't know. I mean, this is relevant for the podcast, but I feel like in every situation <laughs> I'm in, I'm kind of tailoring like what who mm. I am to like, that like situation, switching. and then I'm like suddenly in a different a com- like stand up to me is a totally different environment than how I feel at work, which is weird because they're slightly yeah. related, technically. Yeah, there know? is a bit of like obviously uh, a more loose casualness to being in stand up, even even though stand up yeah. is work. I mean, yeah, it's, I, work. it's, it's like a professional. Like, it's not professional in the sense that like if I were to call someone unprofessional, like yeah. in, as an insult, like. I could probably call all of stand-up unprofessional, but it's professional right. in There's that no it's HR a, department. Right. It's a place of profession and in it is a workspace and people that, I think that's where it gets tricky with, you know, uh, people being friends and then also then people crossing lines and then people are like, it's still mm-hmm. a workplace. <laughs> so I try to think of it that way, but yeah. it is a fun thing. Well, the weirder thing was that fans of the show we work on oh, yeah. um, came to, like, I did like oh, I see. Yes. hosting set at Chatterbox recently. Oh, Two fans came up to me afterward, and they were like, "Hey, we watch GMM every day. Um, we're huge fans of you." And I'm like, "Oh God!" <laughs> like, I don't know, Chatterbox especially. I'll just talk about whatever, you know, yeah. like explicit things, and you don't do that on the show we work on. So yeah, <laughs> I know like, what you mean. I have a yeah, I have a bar show that's very much. Well, your bar show is very great and is well attended <laughs> and has been built up very nicely. My bar show is very much. Thanks, I, don't I, say it, I don't want to say it's a trash room because it's not, but it's a very much a workout room. Well, can uh, I recommend <laughs> placing your bar show 45 minutes outside of Los Angeles? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's truly, I think. Yeah, really, that's true difference. to get it out of. Um, uh, and I, I'm only shitting on myself because it's fun to do that. But no, no, there's been many great weeks. As I'm saying this, I'm like, I definitely asked you to do the show. Um, I know the show. And I it's, like uh, the show. Yeah, it's fun. But it's, uh, it's one where I'm like, yeah, when I have the same feeling if someone comes and they're like a fan, I'm like, oh, no. This is oh, not yeah. me at my best. Like this is me, kind of like I, I jotted a few things down an hour before, and I'm gonna well, say them for the first time. Yeah, there's so much about stand up that like a you know a regular person doesn't totally get. Like mm-hmm. I remember in the beginning, my brother was so weird about me repeating jokes on stage. He uh-huh. saw me twice, and he was like, "You did the same jokes," and I was like. <laughs> You don't understand. <laughs> oh, I definitely was that audience member before because I used to go watch um, comedy at UCB when I was mm. um, not, hadn't started yet. I was like, I had studied writing, so I was like in the world and I went to watch and I remember seeing um, 
a streeter from College Humor, I guess now uh-uh. SNL, but he did a set and I was like, he's so funny. And then I saw him again do the set like maybe a month later, almost the exact same set. And I was like, oh, what a scam. Yeah, and then yeah, I was yeah. so mad. You're a trickster. You yeah, should be like, arrested. He's done that before. And now I'm like, oh my God, can you imagine writing a new uh, set every single time you did stand up. I mean, it's gosh, just I crazy. could, but uh, who has yeah, the time? Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. But a lot of people who watch stand up, I think, still think that's how it works. Because, you know, most people. Well, you want you it to see, feel fresh in the moment. Yes. But, but also, people mm. don't go. Like, we're so used to going to shows like almost every day. There's people who, most of the time, they go to a show and they did that show once that's like their show that year so they won't go see another show unless they're comedy fans you know Mm. if they're it's like when i go to the theater like i don't i don't but like if i do it probably happens less than once a year yeah you know so it's not like i'm going to shows all the time and when i go i'm just like cool okay great and then that's you know what i mean (laughs) i don't i was trying to think about the last time i went to the theater and i didn't i don't know but i bought tickets to bodyguard the musical at the Pantages. Oh, okay. For two of my friends who I was setting up on a blind date. <gasps> oh my God, that's so fun. Yeah. Oh, I've always wanted fun. to set people up. Uh, that is really fun. Yeah, I didn't see it though. They had a good date and then it fizzled, but I've indirectly I was responsible for it. Oh I yeah, you made it. it. Yeah, you made it fun and, and fresh yeah. and flirty. I saw Cats at the Pantages recently. <laughs> and it was okay. Are you um, excited for the movie? I uh yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> Taylor Swift is playing Bomber Arena. Do you know yeah. the musical? Yeah. I no, I don't know the musical. I just am I'm aware of it because of the Taylor Swift adjacent oh, yeah. news. And um <laughs> I'm so scared and so excited. She's uh I think it's perfect for her because Bomber Arena is kind of like a sassy cat who talks a lot of shit. Uh no, she just just talk shit Are you about like a musical person yes ah, did you not know no it's okay i I, so I blend funny. right in um i no. love musical people i think it's very pure i think it's very nice i was in cats like, in high school okay, okay. <laughs> no no not the actual oh my god no 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 wow okay. that's that yes well, you don't know like me well enough you could have thought it. i was not a professional i was a semi good at it i was good semi- enough to like compete on companies Honestly, like good but enough not to be in solo. the general company of cats anywhere gotta be. <laughs> <laughs> that is a huge lie and i will just go with it um yes i'm good enough to be in cats no i was in uh, i was mr mistopheles in my high school production it was a community theater in my during high school so not my high school and uh it was a lot of fun and i may have peaked then i had a light-up jacket it, wow. I was star of the sh- that wasn't the star but it was a lot of fun and i i was a, the most dancey cat like he has a whole solo and Typical. yeah and then i went to my sister and i were doubles and then i went to um when i went to nyu i took a class at steps uh and i went to a ballet class and it happened to be the guy who played it in the video production of cats jacob brent and i was like so fangirling out because i remember watching that st- i studied that video because you know in community theater in high school it's, you get a choreographer but most of the time you just have to watch the video and to really get it because yeah. they don't know what they're doing yeah. so when i took his class i was like oh my god it's the real Mr. Mistopheles. Wow. <laughs> like, I still think about that. I'm like, that That was like one of those moments I they point to as like... They say never meet your heroes. Was it okay? <laughs> yeah. No, it was great. He taught me ballet and it was okay. a small class so it got a lot of attention. Uh, to yeah. me, it was like one of those very... It was a chill day but one of those moments where I was like, I think I did... Like I'm in the right place universe-wise. Yeah. You know? That's, that's beautiful yeah. feeling that way. Yeah, because you're like everything kind of lined up in a way where I'm like, I got to have this nice thing. It's not anything. It's not like... Yeah. It, it, it's a... Uh, just purely sentimental worth nothing memory but fun for me to have you know it's not like it's money or anything you know what I mean it doesn't mean any it's just a fun little nice gem this morning my boxing class was uneven and there were seven people and he has us pair up 
to practice combinations and I was like not picked like everyone <laughs> paired up except for me but it worked out because I got a bunch of individual attention from the oh, boxing coach see? and I was like this is nice um well that that reminds me I want to ask you for your good confession because I like to start every podcast with my guest um for a good confession just to start on a positive note Hell do you yeah. have something good you want to confess um yeah I'll confess that I I recently bought a homeless man a pack of um you know, cigarettes. And mm. I do that in general because I feel like people are really weird about like homeless people and they only want to like give to homeless people if they're going to uh -huh. buy them like a sandwich. Cause it's like, if they take my money, they're just going to get like booze or drugs. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, no, I don't like, I don't think the way out of homelessness is continuing an addiction, but like cigarettes, yeah. Like their life is hard and mm -hmm. it's fucked up and no one who can do stuff about it does anything about it. Let them have a fucking cigarette. <laughs> That's so, true. I've never thought about that. Because I always ask, like, what do you really want? And they'll be like, like cigarettes. cigarettes. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And I don't care. Like, if I wanted a cigarette, I would ask, you know? Like, I don't yeah. think we should pretend to be morally upright, you know? Yeah. I smoke cigarettes sometimes when I'm drinking. Like, I don't think there's anything, you know? So yeah, I know what you mean. That's yeah. the nice thing that I did. I generally try to keep, like, if I have any cash on me, I'll normally give it to, and you often, like, mm -hmm. pass homeless people in Los Angeles if you walk. I, I walk because I don't have yeah. a car. And, like, I'll, I'll give to homeless people. I don't think it makes me a hero. It's just, like, I, I, I feel worse that I don't, like, do any, like, community organizing to, like, end homelessness, you know? So it's, like the extreme least anyone can do. <laughs> no, I think it's very nice. Anything you do, um, is, even if it's, um, you know, if it's small, like it's still helping yeah. someone. Like you're actually, I really do believe like connecting to, obviously people with a lot of resources on a high level should be working from the system. Yeah. But if you're, you know, if you're just living your life and you're able to connect to someone in a small way, I think that's really good. Um, I always feel like there's a disconnect with rich, like super rich people because, yeah. you know, like people who, um, spend thousands on galas and which I, I don't want to knock on all good is good, but there is this <laughs> very bizarre, um, disconnect with is super it? rich people. Well, <laughs> you know what I mean? Good. Like maybe not, but, um, obviously I don't want to, you gotta look at the whole picture when I'm criticizing it. I'm not saying like, stop doing, stop donating. I'm saying stop yeah. doing this whole thing where you're doing one thing, but not the other. Yeah. But um, yeah, there's, uh, I've noticed like people, especially in San Francisco, there's a high homeless population there. They recently just had a, um, I don't know if you saw the news, but they had a neighborhood start a GoFundMe, like a wealthy neighborhood to yeah, resist a homeless shelter building there. And they yeah. raised a lot of money. GoFundMe, can you be believe that? For wealthy people who didn't want to decrease their property value. And I was like, this is like mm. a disconnect because these are probably people who go out there and say they're good people. Maybe not all of them, but I'm sure a few of them in there go to, are part mm -hmm. of like, you know, um, you know, volunteer organizations they're, and philanthropy yeah. groups and they do donate and they yeah. post and share on their Facebook. But then when they have a real chance to be like, okay, we're going to face, you know, poverty in the face and actually be able to help from our neighborhood. They're like, no, no, I mean, that's the thing is you'll find the hypocrites real quick if you think about like how they actually function locally. But, you know, it, this happens everywhere. There were yeah. massive protests in the OC and like Riverside communities recently because there have been these large homelessness, uh, homeless encampments mm -hmm. in those areas. And the city's desperately trying to, uh, you know, create a shelter, create yeah. housing and create, create a place to move the encampment. And both cities like 
record numbers came out to protest it happening. It's the not in my backyard thing, you know. This has been yeah. like an age-old thing, you know. They just don't want they they don't want the homeless people in their uh, sphere, but they also don't want to stop homelessness. It's yeah, I mean, they just whatever. want to. Ease we we their can have guilt. the like next door argument about oh, this forever, God. but it's it's hard. It it's really is. Like I yeah, there's a homeless person who sleeps in the. Um, the foyer of the PETA Empathy Center, and I think that's a baller move. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. It's like so yeah, nice good luck to telling go me to like, leave. Yeah, <laughs> like oh, if you support this, which you know PETA is problematic in its own way, uh -huh. but uh, then you look down and you see like oh, the the human beings that we can't we like yeah. treat worse than strays. I saw someone post uh. something about that. They were like, if uh, maybe to get. The, uh, well, I think maybe they had said white people, but they're like, you know, the idea of like if to get them to care about the water in Flint, maybe we should just let them know the dogs are also drinking the water. Mm. And I was like, oh, that's so sad, but like kind of true. Cause you're like, yeah. did you know that pets are suffering? And of course, yeah. the rich people are like, oh, no, not my Fido. Like, yeah. Uh, but, but their Fido is like, you know, a purebred <laughs> golden retriever. Yeah, drinking Evian or whatever. pain. Well, that's the tr reality of any um, sort of economic gap is the rich people don't actually feel it because they're in a different strain. Like they yeah. can always buy their way out of it. It's yeah. like they can just afford the drought. They can just afford to pay the extra for the what You know, it doesn't actually. And then if water does run out, they can ship it. So they, ne they never think about um, limited resources the same way we do because... Or no, we, I don't know. It's just, um, yeah, no, yeah, it's, it's very, tough. like, even the idea of, like, uh, perceived value when it's like, oh, a corona costs a lot of money, so people wait in line. That's rich people culture. <laughs> it's like, they want to pay That's more for stuff. That's also line people culture, though. Oh, yeah. I think that crosses economic <laughs> boundaries because there are line people and there are virulently anti-line people, and sure. I would put myself in the latter camp. Yeah. I simply won't wait in line. No, I, I cannot imagine. Like... Three hours for a thing. That's crazy. My... Like, it's a room where you get to find out, like, your, the secret <laughs> to what will make you happy. And if there's a line of, like, 15 people, I will pass hard. <laughs> That's I so won't funny. do it. That's I hate why lines. I don't like Disneyland. I do. That's why I don't. I'll tell you about the hacks at Disneyland sometime, but I, I know you can do the fast uh, track thing. Single rider. It's all about the single rider, baby. You know. You don't got to wait in line. <laughs> and then you have to wait in line for, like, Food and yeah, that's true. I do hate lines, but I did wait in line once for the ramen burger for two hours, and it was good. And I do think it had to be good because I waited two hours. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like mm. my brain is just like any food <laughs> at this never. point is good. You know, I'm just hungry, really. Um, I got to skip the line at um yeah. What's the really good hot chicken place? Dave's is that good? No, no, it's the one oh, in, in Chinatown. <gasps> ha uh, oh, I know Howl's, right? Is that what it's called? Howl and Ray's. Howl and Ray's. Yeah, yeah, because uh. of Josh, our coworker Josh, who is a food, our food producer, uh, mythical chef, and he has like inns all over the oh, city wow. for food well, stuff. I and now I know. One Saturday, and I will we hit just him up. No, I'm just <laughs> made, we made a Howl and Ray's double down. Oh wow! He brought his own eggs and bacon. That's crazy. And it was so good, and we just walked past. I felt I've never felt more powerful, <laughs> and I earned it. Not at all, you know. <laughs> well, you, no, you did. You earned it. I mean, I, it was nice because I never would have eaten Howlin' Rays anyway. Yeah, you would never have done it. It's not line. like you were taking advantage. You were just. I mean, it wasn't like you didn't. You could have waited in line, but you didn't. You were like, I won't wait in line. 
I so, simply won't. There you go. <laughs> um, uh, well, this is a podcast about confessions. Um, it's loosely inspired by therapy. Do you um, go to therapy? Yeah. Okay. I haven't gone to therapy in a couple months, but I have in the past. I'm sure I will mm-hmm. again. Um, I feel like... Yeah, I feel like everyone should do that. What's your um, uh, relationship with therapy? Is it something that you started like as an adult? Because I feel like a lot, I, I, I get half and half on this podcast. For me, I, um, I didn't grow up in a family that really like cared about mental health or knew much about it. So mm-hmm. whenever I thought about therapy, it was this thing where it's like, oh, it's like a last resort. And then I moved to New York and it was like, everybody goes to therapy. It's like a check-in. It's like going to the dentist. Yeah. Um, so I get kind of half and half. I get people who are like, it's a band-aid when something's wrong and then I get like, oh no, I go to check in all the time. I started going as a kid and blah, blah, yeah. blah. I would probably go to check in all the time if it was free, but it's, sure. it's it is not very for expensive. me. <laughs> yeah. Um, although, you know, it's not as expensive as it could be if I didn't have insurance. But yeah, I, I grew up in the Midwest, so very much did not go to therapy uh-huh. as a matter of course uh, until things go wrong, you know, yeah. um, for both me and my brother growing up. Was like, your family really was, close? Like, do you guys talk to each other about your feelings and stuff? I talked to my mom about my feelings. Uh-huh. And then my dad, it's a little bit more touch and go. And then me and my brother used to not be close, and now we're close, and now we talk about our feelings. But, like, growing up, I don't know. It wasn't, like, repressed. Yeah. You know, it was, like, a nice family. And then when there was, like, issues, we would, like, experience the issues, and then we would pretend they didn't happen. Uh-huh. Very... My whole family, including myself, is extremely good at compartmentalization, like to <laughs> a f- huge fault. <laughs> but maybe that, I feel like that makes you good at comedy and writing. Yeah, I you- think so. I, it's definitely, it's a real uh, gift and a curse being able <laughs> to like put bad feelings in a box and truly forget that they're there. Right. Um, Do they ever come back to bite you? Like you'll oh, suddenly be, yeah. suddenly it'll all come out or it's usually just like you can control when um, you deal with stuff. Well, often if I'm compartmentalizing, it's because I am failing or I think I'm failing in some form of my Mm -hmm. life. Like it it really started in earnest a little bit in high school, but mostly in college with work. Mm -hmm. Like I experienced severe academic anxiety. So if Uh I wasn't getting work done, I would take that stress of being behind in work, put it in a box and then like go do stand up because that's where I started and hang out with friends and I would be on the surface like totally fine and inside honestly totally fine like I could truly enjoy yeah the shows the hangouts the parties and stuff like that and then I would go to class the next morning and it wasn't like I was skipping class or anything like that I just was you're escaping out of that stress I just wasn't turning in papers like I was Uh I was panicking and hitting a wall and not getting my work done a little bit of self-sabotage but maybe not because (laughs) in a way you were working on this other thing there's a quote I can't remember who it's it's like one of those artist books where like you know how to be an artist kind of thing someone said like the best way to get something done or the, the your masterpiece is what you do while you're trying to get something else done Uh I'm totally butchering it that's totally how I write a lot of jokes because yeah. I'm on deadline for something else. But I do believe that. And, and so, come up with my best inventions. Yeah. Well, so yeah, the thing that you want to be your A project, you got to make it your B project. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> Truly. Um, but no, that's that's really interesting because I think um, I relate to that like panic and then put it aside because I used mm-hmm. to just, 
I would do this a lot. I would be like, tonight I'm going to stay in and just work and get this done. And then 9 p.m. or something would hit and I'd be like, oh, I'm getting the itch to go out. And then as soon as anyone invites me to do anything, I'm like, yeah. well, here I go. And then I just All my loyalties go. <laughs> are always to people rather than yeah. things or really myself. Like I'm such an, I'm such an extrovert and I'm so um, like, like I'm such a people person. Yeah. And a people pleaser, really, mm-hmm. um, which is something I'm working on. Um, and well, how do you want to be, is that how you want to be perceived or is it some people pleaser? Yeah, no, I mean, yes, but like kind of, but well, more, I, I mean be like liked by everyone. That's like where it comes from. Yeah. Right? I guess what I, uh, I'm trying to rephrase the question. I guess it's like, um, it, if you are, if in your mind you want to be someone who's like seen as like, I'm always out. I always have my friends around me and I'm like the mm. person people hit up and I'll be there. Then I think you then you're doing it then that's not a bad thing but if in your mm. mind you want to be like i think it comes back to the perception of yourself because if you're in your mind you're like i want to be someone who like sets my boundaries and gets my work done and then you're going out then there's this like disconnect and that's when the stress kind of settles in mm. of like oh why can't i say no i want it all to you want it all, <laughs> I want it all. <laughs> yeah no i really struggled with saying no and i really struggled with managing time and i really struggled with managing anxiety for a long time i mean part of where we started with this, which is like, how was therapy and mental health talked about in your family? Like very little, which Mm -hmm. is wild because my paternal grandmother was bipolar, potentially narcissistic. My maternal grandfather had schizoaffect, has schizoaffective disorder um, and would move the family around every Uh couple months because the, you know, the street lamps were telling him that it wasn't safe where they were. Wow. You know, stuff like that. So, and then as a result, you know, my, well, not necessarily as a result, but understandably, like, my parents have both experienced different forms of Mm -hmm. anxiety and depression. And I just feel like that was really not delved into when we were younger and only came up when me and my brother started exhibiting issues like that how did your parents um, explain depression or did they ever like what how was it talked about yeah I mean you know for me it was all coming to a head with like facing head-on like the the fear of failing out of college Mm -hmm. um and my mom was really good at talking about it she basically like fessed up and was like both me and your father have dealt with this our Mm -hmm. whole lives you're not alone. This comes from somewhere. I'm sorry. Like, we will do whatever you need to, like, support you through this. But, you know, in my head, it was like, but they were successes, you know? Yeah. Like, they had jobs. They raised a family. They had a house. Like, they finished college and law school. Yeah. And they figured it out. And, like, what did it mean that I have the same thing, but I'm flailing? Uh-huh. Like, like totally not like to me it, it just seemed like the end of the world like if I can't get this paper done how am I going to get anything done in life and I'm actually just like like medically lazy and like a bad person it spirals right you're, you're like I well you're like if I mess because you have this uh perfect idea of like how it has to go and you're like if I mess this up that causes this to be messed up and then mm-hmm. I don't have this and then I don't get the A and then I get the B and then I get in the lower and then all and they're like I hate it all and then you're like forget it yeah. are you a perfectionist yeah um I would say that which was surprising to me because I feel like my personality I've always like 
if we if we want to talk like boy band tropes, I've uh-huh. always been like the goofy one who's like smart but like <laughs> doesn't JC. care if she gets a B. You know, uh-huh. like I was very much a B student in high school. You know, like not because I couldn't grasp the concepts, but because of the same stuff like yeah. procrastinating homework and papers and you're not like B in spite of like you actually are because you're not doing all <laughs> the stuff. Not to be like actually I'm really smart. You're but, actually you know, an A like, student who's <laughs> doing half the effort, and so you're a beast or not effort, but like you're if you're not turning in stuff, you're like yeah, I had issues that would uh-huh. then <laughs> become more severe. Um, and and so it's not like I would project this like I got to be perfect all the time, but like what would happen is that I would try to write a paper, but I wanted it, every line to be great and yeah. perfect and insightful. And that always trumped getting it done. Sure, because then you start editing yourself before you even get through it. Yeah, it's like you're writing your final draft the first way through your first draft, which is yeah, crazy. that's Fun- true. Fucking crazy. And <laughs> I would do that, and sometimes I would finish those papers. And I mean, I'm sure they're trash. I was like, you know, 19. But at the time, they were great papers. And if I turned it in, I would always get an A. But the turning it in was just a nightmare. And like, you know, I would, like my favorite phrase now, and I learned this sometime in that era, was like, you know, perfect is the enemy of done. Oh, I like that a lot. I've never heard that. Yeah, like, like whether it's good or bad, basically you have to like take away the feeling that Mm -hmm. this academic essay or this you know podcast or stand-up set or film or whatever you're working on if this isn't good it means that you don't have value you know like you have to get rid of that yeah and then that'll allow you to actually make stuff it's like that the wonderkin syndrome or whatever the feeling of like when you're especially when you're young i had this a lot when I was younger and writing, just the mm-hmm. idea of like, oh, the first screenplay I ever write, like I, in my mind, I already know where I am. Like you don't, you're yeah. never going to surprise yourself so much. But in my mind, I was like, but if I write something and it's like fucking amazing, then maybe I'm a genius. And and so there's yeah. this fear. Of, it's like paralyzing because you're like, I just want to write something beyond what I'm actually capable of. Yeah. When really, it should just be like, write the thing you have now, then edit it and edit it. And that's actually the secret to becoming like a genius is... Then you go back and you're yeah. like, oh, I edited this 10 times. So that's why it's so good now. But yeah, you can't <laughs> get there like until read, you finish it. I'll read stuff I wrote <laughs> in college. Like on my personal Tumblr, I would write these little like uh-huh. comedic sketches or whatever. And they're so bad. <laughs> and I'm like, I was not funny when I was younger. Like I was like funny at the time and thought I was funny. But like, I just don't think I've ever been funny until like recently. You probably were funny. And <laughs> no. it's just that you... Um, <laughs> you've grown enough where now you're like well, it you reminds you of the, the part that you're latching onto as ellie looking back is the part that you've grown out of but <laughs> they're probably not looking at the whole thing i bet there's pieces of that that's like the funny right. that everyone else saw in the beginning is still there but i think what i needed what what i think i did the reason why i like looked back at the stuff i used to write or post or thought was funny yeah to like really hearken with the fact that it wasn't is is more like this thing isn't just this like inherent gem inside yes, your like yeah. sternum that yeah, you needs can, to shine out <laughs> and then whatever you do is special and important as long as you allow it to be, you know? Like I had to learn that I have gotten better at writing jokes. I have gotten better yeah. at being a writer in general. I've gotten better at performing through practice and drafts and time uh-huh. and just doing it a lot. It's more like, empowering. That lesson was so hard to learn. Yeah. And well, I'm still 
trying to fully let it sink in. Well, I think it uh, it is very empowering to realize it's in your hands because it's like oh, when yeah. you're, I totally relate to that because I, I mean, it's still sometimes I'm like, I just want the first thing that everyone sees to be like, wow, she's better than we thought. But I'm like, mm-hmm. or you could just be what people think and get better at it or, you know, and beat the odds yeah. or whatever. But I, um, I hope if I get like a, some type of career marker, everyone's like, the fuck? <laughs> 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 like, I hope they're like, since when? <laughs> yeah, that's always it. Like the fantasy is just like, ha ha. But like, really, if no, you want people to literally be like, I on was there a mistake? This seems no. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and they won't think that. But that's yeah, the secret is that when you're working hard and you're actually doing the thing, then when you get it, it feels right. And so the feeling when you're young, where you're like, I'm going to... Ju-, well, obviously, then you're dealing... There's imposter syndrome and all that stuff that comes up later. It's real fun living inside the head of an anxious person. No, but... Uh, hell yeah. <laughs> but oh, hell yeah. There's for sure like when you're very when you're first starting out like young as in like not age because you're still very young but like young as in like experience there is a sense of like you want to jump a little bit and you can because usually you have you know if you in your early years if you if you're good at something you probably jumped a few levels but um eventually you get to where you're you are at the level and then you just have to do the work and that's mm-hmm. the part that scares a lot of people especially for people like you're very you got writing jobs very early um earlier than a lot of people in our yeah. field so and that's great and that obviously says that you've got a lot of talent but it's the kind of thing where i think if you have that your whole life sometimes it can get very scary to mm. be like oh man it's just an anxiety it's not any you know what i mean but anyways i relate to that because <laughs> i definitely had that when i was younger and then um I remember even in like sixth grade, so long ago, but feeling old at, you know, at 11 thinking, because I wrote, wrote stories all the time and I, every year I would submit stuff for the Young Authors Fair and whatever. And I... I, mean, I look at you submitting stuff. <laughs> I, I mean, I grew up in the Bay Area. Talk about the liberal, annoying, <laughs> annoying people. But I, um, I won in fourth grade and I, I remember being like, this is it. That's my peak. And in sixth grade, I remember being like, what if I can never write another story? What if I have no more ideas? And I was yeah. like, how could I be a and writer? it turns out that she didn't. And, and I never wrote and another Teresa story. honestly hasn't written a word. Yeah, you're right. I've never written I've another story. I've been doing double work for her. <laughs> and I'm happy to. It's kind of the same thing as the homeless man. It's yeah, exactly. She, she is giving job. me she cigarettes in the form of scripts. <laughs> her life is hell. <laughs> but I just, like, it was so ridiculous now to think about that but it made sense at the time because yeah. I remember thinking about my whole life because I wanted to be a writer and thinking I can't imagine having to do this for like another 50 years I was like what if I can't I think that now <laughs> I think that that comes up and I hear this a lot it comes up all the time I'm out of ideas but I'm it's your done. brain I'm toast it looks like this is the end of the line <laughs> for me and everyone who believed in me <laughs> but ideas aren't like eggs in your fallopian tube they don't go away they says you we don't have mo- any science that yeah backs that ideas up. are more like sperm um just shoot you them think? out <laughs> <laughs> no probably <laughs> probably ideas are probably i'm like they get a, a little dustier over time yeah yeah <laughs> uh, you know and if you, they, if you really like aim right you can really make a beautiful piece of work but if uh <laughs> if you just let it get everywhere then it's really gonna slow you down too many ideas too could really <laughs> Slow you down. You don't want too much sperm. Um, <laughs> you don't want to be covered in sperm when you're trying to make a baby, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's like the Octomom thing. You know, you got to, yeah. at some point, there's going to be diminishing returns on how those children are raised. Yeah, oh man, Octomom. The gift that keeps on giving. Um, 
such a moment in time. <laughs> 2003, maybe? Yeah, if there are know. certain... Yeah, the, it, the beginning... I mean, the internet culture uh, in the early 2000s where it... Uh, <laughs> where you mentioned a thing and there was still, like, one thing that year and now it's just, <laughs> like, there's, like, 800 things in oh, one year. Um, anyways, I would like to uh, ask you, Ellie, is there anything you would like to tell me? Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. My secret... Mm -hmm. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Okay. My secret is that I missed my grandma's funeral um, to see One Direction. <gasps> oh, wow. The boy band. I was like, is yeah. it the boy band or the other? I don't, I don't know if there's another. Yeah. Um, okay. Is this recent? Secret. Was this recent? This is a couple of years ago. Okay. <laughs> um, well, that I'm going to assume you like One Direction. No, I already know that you do. Wouldn't I that be crazy if you were like, boys. I just didn't want to go. It was just anything to, any, but to any, go. I looked up what was <laughs> happening that night and I said, can't make it. <laughs> um, you already had the tickets, I'm um, assuming. Yeah. So, you know, when people die, they die. And then it's like everyone has to reorder their schedule, which is honestly selfish of them. If people mm -hmm. want to listen to this or read the title and think I'm selfish, honestly, think about the person who's dying, who's just like, drop everything. I don't think it's selfish. <laughs> and I actually think funerals are more for the living than for the dead. I think uh, yeah. and off, uh, honestly, a lot well, of that's probably the worst part about me missing it was for your I, family like, wasn't there for my dad at the actual service. But. I think it's fine, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> yeah, let's unpack that. Okay, so tell me, tell me, give me a little bit more information. So yeah, so I had these tickets that were a favor. It was uh -huh. a favor of a friend to not that it, not that that really matters because it's like they would have understood. <laughs> it but, was Josh. He knew. Uh, no. <laughs> no, it was a favor, and they got me these tickets, and um, this was planned, you know, like over a month in advance. Uh -huh. And at the time, I was working a very low-paying PA job. Okay. And uh, when it happened, the only thing I was looking forward to at the time was, like, this show, uh -huh. this, like, experience. Um, One Direction, I, I became obsessed with One Direction when I was in college. And I was depressed and anxious and just failing out of college because mm -hmm. I couldn't get over, like, my mental illness in terms of, getting my shit done mm -hmm. um and it was very overwhelming and the only thing that gave me like true respite was like listening to One Direction and watching their documentary <laughs> and just being like watching every video they put out and just following like that's that's when I really got into fandom and so at the time I was you know not doing awesome like I was not paying like not making a lot of money and mm -hmm. I didn't graduate from college. So I didn't ever want to have to ask my parents for money. And I'm very lucky that I had a safety net, you know, if anything, everything went like fully belly up, but mm -hmm. I was so determined to like make my own way. And I was barely scraping by. And this was the thing I was looking forward to. And on the other hand, my grandma was someone who I never felt close to. Uh huh. And she was, you know, conflicting reports I'd say some people would say that she did her best with what she had and <sighs> other people like me would say that no she didn't <laughs> okay and that she was is she the one that was bipolar okay yeah you know never went to a doctor but mm -hmm. um from what I've heard from my uncles and aunts and my mom she was a terror <laughs> And, like, when I met her as, like, a child, you know, when I met her as my grandmother, at that point in time, she was, um, you know, 
quickly to the time that I have memories of her, like mm -hmm. not really someone who it was even really possible to connect with. Like, oh, okay. So it was, was already bad when you were already child. sick and she was yeah. already like just kind of out of it. And then when she wasn't out of it, she was kind of mean. Like she would say things like, Oh, Ellie, are you really going to get seconds? Like oh. at Thanksgiving, oh, no. which is like, yeah, of course I'm going <laughs> to get seconds at Thanksgiving. Um, was she your dad's mom then? Cause you were yeah, like, okay. Yeah. And it's hard because like, you know, I don't want to speak ill of, my grandma, obviously, and I have two. My grandpa on that side was sick, and my my, my mom's grandparents uh -huh. are awesome, and I felt close to them. I just never felt any connection or fealty with her, and I yeah. just heard enough stories <laughs> about her that made me think that, you know, she's, uh, with the things that she was working with at the time, she could have done better. Yeah. And she could have done better for her children, and she could have done better for you know, the man that my dad turned into be, which is, you know, a good man, but he definitely has struggled with stuff as yeah. a result of, I think, you know, his mom being just a nightmare to grow up Wow. With. And so when she died, I didn't feel sad. I felt yeah. sad that my dad was going through that. Mm -hmm. um, but also it was the same week as going to see One <laughs> Direction. <laughs> so then you had a built-in excuse. Well, yeah. So, I mean, when it comes down to the brass tacks of it, like the actual like thing of it was that I, uh, I could only fly out on this like Thursday. Yeah. And, and Thursdays when the service was happening, the like big church service. Uh -huh. Um, and I could either take this morning flight and make it for part of it uh -huh. or take the red eye and be there <laughs> like with my family for the rest of the weekend, you know, for like the more like casual memorial service yeah, and the just family time, mm -hmm. you know? And to me, the distinction between <laughs> getting there in time for part of the service and the like burial and stuff was just so irrelevant. Yeah. And I mean- Oh, so you still went, but not to the service. I know I I got in like so the funeral was on a Thursday I missed the whole thing okay and then I was there for Friday Saturday Sunday oh okay but yeah but so you were still around for the I still family I still flew you yeah know, to the Midwest and like t I mean it was so nice to see my whole extended family and to connect and to like care for each other yeah and I mean one of my cousins even said like is it weird that I feel like happy to see everyone ra yeah. more than I feel sad that she's gone. And I'm like, no, she sucked. Yeah. <laughs> like we didn't even know her as she was. And from what I'm told as she, the person that she was, was not like super awesome. Right. So I, yeah, I simply, I can't feel bad for like not feeling strongly about that. And then I got to be there for my dad in the end. Yeah. And <laughs> I got to smell direction. Harry Styles. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now what have they said? Ellie, we're giving you some stage time at your grandma's funeral. Then what? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, um, I'd be there in a heartbeat, <laughs> Teresa. Um, you know I crush it at funerals. I do crush it at funerals. Uh, it's so easy to crush it at funerals oh because God, it's sad. People you want know how to, to laugh. Talk and you know how to like do like a tasteful like little joke that's, yeah. that's 
you know, on theme or whatever, people will fucking lose it. They I love it. It's because they want to laugh because they're sad. Yeah. I don't even want to. Well, it's so tense. The first, I mean, I, the first time I spoke at a funeral, I wasn't trying to make jokes, but it was for my brother and I was like, because he's a silly guy and he was also a kid. So there's a lot yeah. of like, most of the stories are like silly and, and the whole thing is sad, but I remember um, writing it and then trying to be very earnest but i also use humor as a way to get out of things or you know that's my coping mechanism so all this is to say i wasn't trying to write jokes i was definitely just trying to like have an earnest um i basically gave him like a wedding speech because i was like i won't be able to you know see him get married and i i might cry oh no (laughs) well my i did a subtle sort of not a real jab but my he he was also gay and i um so i did to you and your partner because i was like i want to kind of acknowledge his identity but i thought it was very earnest and then people after were like so cool to see you and your sister doing your thing because my sister played a uh, song she wrote and they're like you know you doing jokes and i was like what (laughs) 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 uh okay (laughs) i guess jokes uh so so yeah all that's i guess people anything is a joke if you i'm so sorry for making you cry no no i'm sorry for crying that's so inappropriate um no it's not at all uh i wasn't Uh, trying to uh no 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 i I don't uh i only brought that up because i thought it was no it's so funny to to the idea that i was like writing jokes but it did i i did keep it lighter i think um yeah because that's how i am but one one of my best friends from high school died very young and i'm sorry um no thank you it happens as you know (laughs) people die Uh and it was very sudden it was a hard thing um um rest in peace mitch love you um and there were two services. One was where he was staying at the time and mm-hmm. one that was in Glen Ellen. And the first one was beautiful and it was held, you know, this gorgeous like lodge thing. And they kind of had, I mean, it's essentially an open mic where people could just come up and share their <laughs> yeah. stories. And it got so like people are, you know, your average person just isn't great at telling stories. Right. It's an art. <laughs> Let's just say that. And his mom was like, hey, can you get up there? Uh-huh. Like, because I was like not trying to be weirdly like, give me that mic, you know? Yeah. But, but then she asked me to like lead it off and I was like, hell yeah, I'm crushing this. <laughs> I'm crushing this memorial service. Uh, and my story went very well, obviously. Yes. And Of course. Um, yeah. But, you know, no, I would not have chosen my grandma over one direction if they had offered me to speak at the funeral because what would i have even said you know because right, like, you didn't have a relationship i with barely her. knew her the best thing that happened was that every year for christmas she would go to barnes and noble and ask the people to give her the best like five of the best girl books and five of the best boy books and by that process that deeply impersonal process <laughs> um i got twilight before everyone knew about twilight oh and read it in the car, finished it in a day. <laughs> and I was a twy hard before oh my anyone God. knew what was happening. I thought it was my secret. It was crazy. It was like a, a drug, you know, like to know some, to, to have something and to know it and to love it before it becomes. And to know so that like, you actually liked it before other yeah. people liked it. Yeah. <laughs> I told my friend Jessica Neiman about it. Oh my God. And then she became the like known like Twilight mm. fan. You know, like she was obsessed with like Robert Pattinson and and them and uh-huh. and just the the book series and stuff like that. And I was like, but it was me first. <laughs> I felt that way about Harry Potter. So thanks, Grandma, for that. So yeah, your grandma made you a twihard. Uh, I don't know if that is a good no, but it's a good thing. It's I good mean, to have it passions. Was my, it was really my first. That was that was probably my first first experience with yeah. like fandom. 
That's yeah. so, it's, and it's a fun one to get wrapped up in. Yeah. I with Harry Potter, I had that because there was a poster in my um, elementary school library that had the Sorcerer's Stone on it, and it was like before it came to the U.S. And I remember Dang. seeing it, asking about it, and they're like, "Oh, we don't have that yet." But then the librarian, when it came in, she was like, "Hey, that we got that book." So nice. then I went and read it, and then it was like blew up. Obviously, and I'm like, "Oh, that's that book I saw that poster for," yeah. and I was obsessed with. Um, on a similar note, I used to watch um like MTV like the music videos they would show. Oh yeah, back then and it was just music videos. I thought it was this like weird random channel we got and I would <laughs> see videos for like Avril Lavigne or like Gwen Stefani and I'd be like, oh wow, this is cool. And then like <laughs> in my head, weeks later, I would see them, you know, everywhere. Yeah. And I'd be like, I knew about that <laughs> way before it was cool. But it's like, no, you knew about you it knew because about MTV. it was on MTV. <laughs> um, it's just, it's funny to feel that way. I didn't get cable, but I had um, local channel 26, which had Chewy Gomez in the Bay Area. If anyone uh, in the Bay Area grew up and watched local TV, it was like back when it was still antenna TV, he would host like an afternoon, like two hours or so of music videos. I think it was called like CMT or CMG. It was, it was the same initials as the country music channel, I think. CMC, I don't know, something like that. And he would, it was like, there was no MTV for me because no cable. So I would watch that religiously and I have to like move the antenna. Wild. And then he would, pl- he would like DJ at a, he'd VJ at a desk and then be like, the next video is Christina Aguilera. And I was like, oh my God, finally, like I wait oh for God, pop songs yeah, to come yeah. on. <laughs> that's so great. Yeah. Oh man. If you guys have anyone listening knows about Chewy Gomez or this channel, please. <laughs> Please holler at me. I would love to hear who else was watching this channel. If anyone channel. else thought that they found Twilight first, let me know. <laughs> um, okay, so you've got a lot of fandoms. Um, when, so that started, Twilight started, and then you got into One Direction. Um, yeah. uh, were you, are there, are there other fandoms that, I know Taylor Swift is one of um, them. Veronica Mars, um, G- Gilmore Girls. I, I, Did- like, I like really shied away from feeling like I could like certain things that I uh-huh. liked because as soon as I hit like 12 yeah and I hit puberty all I cared about was my brother and other guys thinking that I was cool yeah like it very much became like tailoring my personality so that I'm actually cool you sure. know like so the I completely didn't get to experience like like InSync and Backstreet Boys broke up when I was like in fifth grade uh-huh. So that was too early, right? And then there was this like... I forget how young you are. It's crazy. There was this like dearth of boy bands Yeah. in, in that time. I mean, Jonas Brothers happened, but I like was fully out of openly talking about liking pop music. Like I've always loved Taylor Swift. I never like publicly talked about it until like sophomore year of college. Like I remember my freshman year of college roommate like openly was talking about how much she loved the like mine music video or ours uh-huh. music video and I watched it with her and I like loved it and in my head I was like oh I can't believe my roommate <laughs> is so lame um she wasn't lame she was cool she, <laughs> she was cooler than me because she was comfortable being herself and did you uh, ever write fan fiction um I've never written fan I fiction. guess it's more I've, like for I've, a twilight not like I've music stuff do they do that is it one direction fan fiction? I was thinking of sharing my secret being like how I exclusively jerk off to like One Direction slash fiction. That's um, a thing. It's like not that. That's wait. That's slash is slash not murder. Is like gay. Oh okay. I I thought maybe a slasher. I'm those slasher. things have those exist. Too. <laughs> 
basically because One Direction is such a big fandom. If yeah. there's any genre of fic you want to read, so you have it to read. Exists. How do you jerk off to text? Yeah. It's hard. Do you at one you point just put it down and well, imagine? It's, just, it's the same as. Um, uh, yeah, I guess it's the same as watching a video because you would you have to balance your like laptop on your like, <laughs> chest or on a uh -huh. pillow on your stomach or something, and then have your other hand available for pleasure. Yes. I guess you could. Um, <laughs> do they do audiobooks? Maybe they could do like an audio. No, it fan. was really just the reading because it's true. I would read it head. and like I can't explain. I mean, I I've read articles about this phenomenon because i'm very much not alone in this obviously yeah no i'm it's sure like massive. it's a big community I mean, massive i mean it's the whole function of 50 shades of gray how that came about because yeah. it was started as twilight fan fiction i um but i used to actually my boyfriend and i um when we started like dating i guess not officially but we were um long distance so we use snapchat a lot like texting though which i Ooh. so i can kind of see that appeal i've never gone into uh reading fan fiction but i actually feel like maybe i would like it because i really like um sexing but the kind of sexing where you create scenarios not like necessarily yes. picture based no, but more like honestly, i come home you know like there's like a whole narrative I, like, to it i couldn't guess what would exactly work for you yeah but to me the reason why it has worked for me so much more than any other porn like video is that like I love being invested in like the mm -hmm. characters. And so if it's uh, like personally as a human being, when I think of Harry Styles, like mm -hmm. as a human in the world, I'm like, I don't know what his sexuality is. I personally, if, if I like got the chance to be like moved <laughs> by him, obviously that would be great, but like <laughs> it would also be very stressful and I would prefer to keep him in the box of like, you know, never fandom. Heroes yeah. Type of thing. I mean, totally. I think we would make great friends, but like, I don't really <laughs> want to find out. Cause what if we don't, you know, and yeah, I ruin, it would like, ruin it. The one thing that truly makes me you joyful without any difficulty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But so, so when I think about him, I'm just like, okay, that's a man, that's whatever. But then there's this uh -huh. whole, it's called like transformative fandom, right? It's there's this whole world where mostly young women will take these public figures and they could also be fictional figures mm -hmm. like from Twilight or Harry Potter or whatever, and they turn it into any scenario under the sun. So basically all they're taking is this appearance, this yeah. name, and then aspects of their personality that they've gleamed from what we have available. And then they use that as just a jumping off point to write some just like incredible stories, like yeah. really good writing. Huh. Like fan fiction gets such a bad rap for, for being bad writing. And there's certainly a lot of bad writing out there. <laughs> but like I felt like I had uncovered this incredible treasure trove of just like the most talented, detailed, <laughs> nuanced writers yeah. who happened to be writing about like Harry Styles fucking zane you know that, like you know like well, but but it was like if that was the end the memes were so flowery and yeah. so so sophisticated and like really built you into this world so when you like when they finally like huddle up after getting rained on and there were miscommunications <laughs> and and hurt feelings and then they like finally decide to open up and and kiss for the first time and then it turns into like a graphic sex scene <laughs> it just feels so much more satisfying than yeah. like just clicking on a button and seeing some random people fuck 
you know um i and you can picture it better I yeah mean, it's like the notebook well i actually think something when you're like saying that it, that's like the one i guess that is what it's i like the one book i've read that has sex in it um the, I mean, besides like literature, but you oh know, like God. a graphic. I can't believe you haven't read any smut. I've never read smut, but I um, I do, I do love sexting. But I um, what was I gonna say? Then oh, I was gonna say, I probably this. love it. But I mean, you, if there's any fiction or celebrities that like really get yeah. you going, I don't know. I, well, what you what you said reminded me of. I kind of feel not reminded me, made me think that there's something about like having a starting point, like these characters that we already know, that makes it like easier to enter in a story, right? Because it's like if you're picking up a book you've never read and it's all new characters, all new setting, you got to spend all this time to build like who these people are. But if you already kind of know, yeah, it makes it so much easier. It's almost like writing for a TV show. Like everyone's like yeah. you're writing a TV show, I guess a sexy TV show where the characters are One Direction. <laughs> That's kind of what it is. Yeah. Everybody's just like a different writer for a different episode. In scenarios that you yeah. don't get to see them in. And you, it's not necessarily that you are like begging to see them in those scenarios, but like it's nice. It's and, a way to enter a story without having to have that overwhelming, talk about panic and overwhelming um, fear of starting from scratch and being like, what, how do I begin a story? But if you're already given the circumstances and the structure, yeah. you can create the story. Well, and there's so many fun tropes that people will utilize as like a structure for their fan fiction story. And like, there's some insane ones out there that you would think like, this is gonna be like laughable. Like Mpreg, have you ever heard of this? No. This is, um, what is when a male character gets pregnant and it's just like, Whoa. it's not like, oh my God, there's a scientific anomaly that this man got pregnant. It's just part of the world that huh. men can also get pregnant just like in a heterosexual couple. Whoa. Um, yeah, there's this beautiful M-Preg fiction where Harry Styles is in a relationship <laughs> with this obscure British DJ. I mean, he's very what? famous in the UK, but and I love him and I follow all his socials <laughs> because I low-key ship the two of them. Uh-huh. Um, Grimshaw, you know that's <laughs> don't know him but nick grimshaw yeah uh but like you know as people they're just friends but because they yeah. had a close friendship you could sort of fill in the gaps with the fiction and feel very convinced of this story and then huh. in this one story nick the dj accidentally gets pregnant while <laughs> harry is on tour and I, I know it sounds insane but like this story is gorgeous like it's beautiful it's really uh -huh. well written the writer is one I've been following for years. Like, huh. I guess I got to check out fan fiction. It's crazy. And then there's another one where, um, uh, this is this was more intentionally funny, but it's called erectile, um, a reptile dysfunction. Oh my god! <laughs> where um, Little Mix, a girl band, has um, cursed. Uh, <laughs> Louis Tomlinson of One Direction uh, with a lizard curse so that every time he <laughs> wants to come, his dick pops off like a, like a lizard. Um, and the only person who can save him is like Harry Styles' love by the end of it. But it's also, it's so funny. It's so tongue in cheek. It's so self-aware. And then it was also sexy. That's so funny. I, you know, maybe the, my aversion to fan fiction is I feel like I would like it too much. I feel that <laughs> way about animated porn too. Like I've never watched animated porn, but I also kind of feel like I am fascinated it's the kind it. of thing where I'm like, I don't know. I'd probably like it. <laughs> like I probably yeah. would. Just those like water balloon titties, you know, like oh, those oh, are yeah. so when I, when they when draw I them, see like, them in like the, if I'm on a porn site and I see the, like all like the hentai, uh -huh hentai ads or whatever i'm just like man 
Look at those <laughs> big old titties. I they like, are. I really like, um, severe back problems. <laughs> well, I don't watch a lot of porn because it's always so, oh, it uh, rough, it but sucks. I, but so I'm like fan fiction. Is, if there oh, was a, so but if there was that, but like video, you know what I mean? But then they, of course they wouldn't do that. Uh, right. whereas like a lot of like, so, like I, soft I core is just soft. I think you'd but be surprised by how much the reading doesn't get in the way for you. Huh? Okay. Well, I'll give it, I guess I'll give it a shot and I'll, yeah. That's so funny. I don't know when the like. Where do you even find it? Turns. You just have to be like fanfic. Um, there's this website called Archive of Our Own. To me, that uh-huh. holds some of the best writing. Yeah. I would, if you have a, a subject that you like, I would go onto Tumblr and I would do hashtag ficrec. Oh, okay. Because there will be people who have like you know respected blogs who will recommend ones that they've read and think are good. So you're not wading through because yeah, there's. Because it's self-published, mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff out there. Some of it's good. Some of it's yeah. very bad. You know what I think is slightly a, a turnoff for me is the idea of the author because it feels so personal. If I am reading something and it's not like it's not like a book where it's like published and like obviously books have authors too. But if I'm reading some uh, yeah. someone's blog, I'm imagine and there's like a username is like Pony Puppies eighty eight or something. I'm like as I read it, I'm like, oh, there's a person just typing away in their basement. That's the part that gets me weirded out. They're probably in their like shared two bedroom in like Chicago. (laughs) You know, like these are like young adults, (laughs) like educated women. And it's like for a lot of people, it's how they like start writing and then they move on to other writing. And yeah, I don't know. It's cool. So weird that I, part of my One Direction fandom is exclusively the way that I masturbate uh-huh. and then also that the thing that I masturbate to amongst other things is the reason why I skip my grandma's funeral. <laughs> so you <laughs> truly, truly did, a devil emoji. You mentioned right smelling Harry. Did you get to meet him? No, no. He was, um, it was like a taping. And oh, okay. He, it just so happened that a woman who was sitting right in front of me knew him. Wow. And, in between the things, he like bounded off the set <gasps> and into the audience. Oh my god! And over to her and like leaned over, and I was like, <laughs> like I, like I was like, truly like a fight or flight response. But I froze. Uh-huh. But if I had moved, I would have probably slapped him. Like, been like honestly, my grandma just died. Uh, no. <laughs> honestly, yeah, I probably would have said something like that. <laughs> I probably would have been like, I skipped my grandma's funeral for you. And he'd be uh-huh. like, I wish I didn't know that. <laughs> you know, like, like, but I can't, I can't stress enough that the skipping of the funeral was not supposed to be like malicious. Not picking it him over that you weird just didn't timing. really want it. Yeah. It was like, um, it and sounded it was like. It so easy to say like, oh, I can't get out of work early. You know? Yeah. I, um, I skipped a bachelorette for my grandma's funeral, but it was very inconvenient to the point where I almost didn't go but then I was like I'm gonna go but it uh and then ultimately I actually was happier about it because I was like I can't I wasn't drinking and I was like I'm, trying to, and I'm glad that I yeah. did the thing where I RSCP'd yes submitted my part of the cash you know and yeah. like I guess the only thing that I didn't do was my bubbling presence wasn't there but <sighs> honestly I'm like I think I that describe, was fine I you, would, know? <laughs> you know I wouldn't describe you as bubbly no, no. but I don't mean that in a <laughs> shitty way like I was being I sarcastic <laughs> like serene river yeah i was being sarcastic you won't miss me at a bachelorette party is what i'm saying no i'm happy to be there but i'm not the life of the party let me Um. clarify i think you'd be very fun (laughs) but like in a room 
I was just talking about this with Rosie, actually. Oh, okay. She was like, how's wearing your Teresa? I was like, it's great. <laughs> she is sometimes, like, so mellow. Oh, I hit the mic. It's all good. She is sometimes so mellow. It, like, makes me check my, like, obnoxiousness, I feel like, sometimes. You know, like, you can be, you have this, like, very <laughs> serene vibe. That is so kind you of kinda, you. You like, walk through, and you, you're also, you know, high, you know, you also are, like, energetic. You know, uh-huh. it's not like you're mellow. A little to the manic. Point of, no, um. no, no. But you, you've always got <laughs> stuff going on. You know, you're uh-huh. you're going to shows, you're going to mics, you're doing your podcast, you're scheduling things, you're coordinating things, you're working here. I mean, she hasn't written a word. I'll tell you yeah, that. Yeah, I don't, I don't write. <laughs> I've never written. I can't read. But yeah, no. That's sorry. why I have a podcast. So I don't mean like you wouldn't be fun at a bachelorette party. You just like, I don't know. Uh, It's nice of you to say that. Thank you. But also, uh, it's funny because when I was a kid, I was so fucking hyper to the point where like (sighs) my adults had to not adults that weren't my parents had to tell me and my sister to calm the fuck down a lot, like in choir and other places. They'd just be like, you guys have too much energy. And I don't, maybe it was sugar. I don't know. I was like off the walls all the time. I remember feeling like I couldn't stop laughing sometimes and it like would hurt. I'd be like, I can't stop laughing. And so I was like a hyper active crazy loud kid interesting. um so it's it's interesting to hear you describe me as well because i do agree with that i think i am well, I trying to calm down like <laughs> you know like a high energy dog like you're also filling your time very well like you're very busy so it's like yeah. in caesar milan when he's like this dog needs to exercise or else he'll act out and so like you <laughs> have true. enough need, i'm putting the energy out yeah not acting out <laughs> maybe that's why. that's true yeah maybe know. that is uh that is what it is but um yeah i uh uh well why did i bring that up oh because i was talking about leaving my oh yeah i literally one of those things where i had gone down to see my grandma because she was pretty sick already mm-hmm. and then we came back up but she hadn't passed away yet oh no maybe it was no i was i came up to the bay area but my grandma was in san diego in a hospital and we came up for this bachelorette and we were about to, we came up for one night to stay with my family and then we we're gonna go up and that night uh, my mom got the call from the hospital there. I was like, everyone should gather tonight, basically. Okay. And I was like, because we thought we had a few days, so I was going to go after the bachelorette. Yeah. So I then mean, we skipped. The fuck, like fucking dead yeah. people just dying but, when they die. Well, we I skipped know. it. And it, the weird, this is like kind of a dark, but to me was kind of funny, was like we got there and I remember thinking like, I don't want her to die. I know she's going to because she was at the end anyways, but I was kind of like, well, now it should be today because we <laughs> skipped the No, but not really, you know, but it's this weird thing where you're like, so sometimes when timing works out in a weird way, you're like, I want more time with her. But also how weird would it be if she was alive for another month? Because then it's like, so there's this weird thing yeah. where you're like, I told my, of course my friends understood, but I kind of told them, I was like, they basically said it's now. And then it was that day. So it's like, yeah. it did justify it, but it was, uh, I mean, it, I guess it would have justified it anyways, but sometimes timing's weird where it's like, if someone's yeah. like, someone told me they had to miss an important thing. Because they thought someone was dying and then they lived. <sighs> I'd be like, I'm glad they lived. But also, like, did you lie? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like a weird uh, thing. Um, not to be too heavy, but my dad is really sick. And oh, I'm sorry. it's the type of thing. No, it's okay. Um, it's not my fault. You know? uh-huh. um, what did you do? No, <laughs> I've been dosing him. <laughs> no. Uh, uh, it's the type of thing where, like, he could die this year or he could live many more years. Yeah. You know, it just depends on like getting a kidney basically. Yeah. And so I've been like that unsure, like unsureness of how much time you have left with someone is such a weird feeling. It brings up 
so many weird things. And I think that was like one of the weird things about missing my grandma's funeral is that like the end of life feels like you have to process all these big referendums on like, mm-hmm. did you do well? You know, mm-hmm. and like my score was like, I don't think so. <laughs> like for her, you know, like I did not. Yeah, you're like, I shouldn't be there. I'm going to lower the average here. Like a, a, a no, general I think consensus. Me not being there and choosing to not be there like was weirdly a judgment pass of like. No, no that's well, what I mean. I mean, like if, yeah. if people there are all like uh it's you're like taking yourself out so like it's more positive almost like the people who are <laughs> yeah. there are positive that i would be shitty if i was right, there but, but like i'd be pretty quiet you know <laughs> i don't have many stories to share you yeah. know i have lots of stories about my grandpa he was such a good man and you know and there's so much to say for her like providing well she didn't provide but she was <laughs> there she was physically present and mm-hmm. she didn't leave them and that's something, huh? Um, yeah, and nobody's she books, all bad, but yeah. You know? yeah. Uh, no, no one's all bad. And again, you know, I, I just didn't even really feel like I knew her. But it felt like this weird, like, yeah, like you grapple with who this person is and what their life was like. Like, theoretically, she did everything right. You know, she got married. She had kids. She met her grandkids. She was at the w- weddings. Yeah. She she did try to sabotage my parents' wedding because she oh didn't God. agree with my mom being a woman who worked. But oh my uh, God, I don't have to go into that. <laughs> yeah, she like. I probably shouldn't talk about it. Okay, but, you don't. We can. But we that happened. So if anyone's yeah. like, she's being too harsh. Like that's a thing that happened. Yeah, I see. Um, but uh, you know, like she had a, you know, a big family, and she she gave she she had to live for me to live, and so there's something yeah. there, you know. But with my dad being really sick, here's a way more complicated person that I now have to like yeah. make sure I'm – I feel like I have to make sure I'm processing how I feel about him, which is I love him. Mm-hmm. And he's been a good father to me, but it's also been complicated. I think everyone's yeah. relationship with their parents is a little complicated. Sure. and It's a lot complicated. And I don't know when he's going to die. And so it's like there's almost – I almost am jealous of like the clear cutness of someone dying when they're really old mm. because that's what it's supposed to be. And you can be sad and you can mourn them and you can feel pain. Mm-hmm. But I feel like when someone's old ass grandparent dies, it's not as big a deal. I, yeah, I agree. I, not, I, but, that we, not that well, it's, it's a an, fight. It's a natural you know? part of life. It's sad, but it's, it's natural. Um, yeah, it's not tragedy. I think mm-hmm. that's the difference. Tragedy is un- unexpected. If it's expected, it's can still be very sad. It could even put you in depression. I mean, losing a parent at any age can be very sad. For sure. Um, it really affected my dad. Yeah. And and my grandma died. And then like two months later, my grandpa died. It was one of those types of oh, things. Oh, okay. Yeah. He loved her so Aww. much till the end. Um, it's so. always hard to say goodbye because it makes you grapple with mortality. But I, I know mortality is so crazy. It's just that you were talking about summarizing your life. Like just that, that idea is always very interesting. I... Just that, just looking back and just being like, what did I do? Or, but not just what did I think I did. What did people around me think I did? Yeah. And and that's always something that makes me stop oh and think because I'm like, yeah, I don't know what people would consider to be the highlights. You know, I feel like it always makes me feel much more. It makes me feel much more concerned about how I treat people versus what I achieve. I feel like whenever I'm, like at my friend Mitch's, mm-hmm. you know, funeral, and then at at you know, my grandparents and 
um, you know, various ones in between, I feel like at the end of the day, it's that simple thing of yeah. like, I want people to to think of me and and think that I was kind. Yeah, I think you that's know? true. You want people to smile and be happy when they think of you, not like, oh, she won that award. Cause that's not, I mean like ideally both and you probably, but oh, you know, yeah, but yeah. when you're talking about achievements versus how people um, feel when they're around you, cause that, that puts more, um, I guess it's like, it gives me more motivation to try to live every day, like mm-hmm. connect to the people, even if I'm not in f- fear of losing them, just mm-hmm. like connect to the people who are in my life now yeah. and not wait till like they're sick or something. Cause I, I think yeah. that then you can look back at the end of your life and be like, Oh, I really had these real memories, not just memories that I had to make. Cause I was like, I'm running out of time. Right. So. Well, like that's what I'm dealing with right now. Cause you know, my dad and I have sort of had, basically since I didn't graduate from college, mm-hmm. it's sort of like unnatural relationship where like mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I could talk to him when I was struggling in college and I felt like I had disappointed him so severely. And then I was just fully focused on working and getting job after job and PA job and then getting better jobs. And then that's part of the reason why I got a writing job young because it was yeah. my focus. Yeah. I loved stand-up, but part of the reason why I do less stand-up now and I'm focusing on personal projects and doing a good job here is because I am, like, wired to try my best to be as independent as possible because yeah. I want to make up for not graduating from college for him because I know that really <laughs> sucked for him. And it sucked for me because he wasn't awesome at being there for me. He kind of just kicked it to my mom, and he had the same struggles and stuff like that. But so for years, I haven't, like had a deep relationship with my dad because every time we would get into more complicated stuff there would be some type of fight and so now he's sick and now I feel like we either have to like solve that or continue to pretend that it's all fine and there's no difficulties or like do I need even need to do any of that I don't know it's you don't but it's it's whatever you want I mean one thing that my therapist told me because I struggle a lot with issues with my mom and I still she's still very much in my life and I I see her I make an effort to see her a lot but I do have to set boundaries and one thing my therapist said is like you don't need to make like I, I was trying to make her my source of safety and she was like you don't have to have that you also should just stop trying and just make yourself not in a way that I fail, but just just like you should be your own source of safety. So it's like, you've obviously found so much success um, in spite of this. And mm-hmm. he's always going to be your dad. And he, he you're always going to love he's each like other. He's proud of me. He's yeah, like said exactly. that, you know, but, it's but the, like- but the feeling that of any, like having to write anything or having to correct <laughs> course can really trip you up, especially um, with family. I, I think that my personal opinion uh, and, is that I can really trip you up because it's kind of rooted in so much history and so much like, I wish I did this and this. And ultimately it comes back to feeling like that feeling of like, Oh, what if I'm not enough? It's, it's really like you are. And, and you are the only person who can give yourself that feeling that you're enough, no matter what, like, even if, even if best case scenario, um, you dropped out of college and your dad was there for you and all that, let's say like best case scenario, you went back and it was all the things that you Mm -hmm. thought it was going to be still, it shouldn't be him telling you that you're enough from the very get go. It's always within you to tell yourself that it's hard. I don't know. It's like a lot of work, but I, I really think like you can focus on being, uh, focus on your relationship as like, I, I love my dad. He loves me and that's it. And not seeking, um, any sort of course correction. Cause you don't need it. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's where you're going to get 
that feeling of safety. I think it's going to come from you. Yeah. And I mean, and I should be clear, like, you know, on the surface, he's very much like, I'm proud of you. Mm -hmm. And like, he was very helpful and supportive when I was like, hey, I can't do this. Like, I'll probably kill myself if I go back to school and try to finish because it's so awful for me. And when he heard that, that's when he stopped pushing. Yeah. And he didn't like, <laughs> you know, he wasn't like, you know, let's talk it out. You know, he was just like, okay, got it. You know, and I was like, all right. Um, so in terms of figuring that out for yourself, I mean, I think that's partially what I've done. Yeah, it is. and it, Which it, weirdly, I think that's just growing up. Like it, it weirdly yeah. makes me feel like I've grown apart from him. But at the same time, I think that's just becoming an adult who builds their own sphere. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I think you're a very kind and loving person and you <laughs> exuberate uh, positivity. So that I think if anything, like that's, it's, it's hard and sad to hear about the struggles, but I think um, you've become this really nice person. And I didn't know you back then, but I imagine you were always this nice person. So that's a good thing. Um, but yeah. Whoo. Wow. Anyway, <laughs> I didn't mean to make. Listen I really didn't one, mean to make you cry watch the once one Direction and then twice documentary again. And I'll, I guess I'll check out that so fan sad. fiction. Yeah, watch the One Direction documentary. See how that makes you check feel out by some the Harry end. Styles fan fiction. Um, yeah, I want to. Well, thank you so I think much. Why Morton is the name of the writer? I really Why like. Morton? Okay, an archive of our own. Archive of our own, guys. You heard it here first. Uh, <laughs> not a sponsor. No. Um, <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, I want to end with a quick. Uh, I usually end with a game. I thought we'd do a quiz because I know I guess I was like One Direction Teeny Bopper it'd be fun to I was looking for a teen Hell quiz yeah. you know when I was younger I took a lot of these quizzes on um YM magazine which doesn't exist kind of like a 17 I had, I had a YM magazine sticker on my door really uh-huh god YM was so cool to me and yeah. I got in it trouble was, because I bought one yeah. and my mom was like you cannot have this. it was like the edgier <laughs> version of yeah. 17 um, but I and I kept that it was one. Like the nylon lion. magazine. It was. It was a little bit more cosmo-y yeah. kind of like. Uh, it what wasn't even YM sex. Stand for young and modern, maybe something oh, like that. Maybe. Yeah, I was like young man. No. Um. So. Um. But but I they don't really have like people Keep bumping them. <laughs> oh no, it's all good. I couldn't really find um that. Um. So it was a lot of um. I was trying to avoid the BuzzFeed quizzes because that's all you know, internet culture. I was trying to um, be true to the spirit of magazine. But so, okay, so we got a couple options. So we're going to go, so I have uh, some Riverdale quizzes. I have a, the ultimate Justin Bieber quiz, which tests your knowledge. Um, I have what kind of flirt are you? Or we can scroll through um, BuzzFeed. And I'd love to know what kind of flirt. <laughs> okay, let's do this. Let's do this one. Um, here we go. I have go. an idea, but. All right, what's. What do you think you're going to be? I don't even know what the... Well, I don't know what the tropes are, true. but... All right, this is definitely... Know, I'm like the girl who, like, steals the guy's hat at, like, the homecoming oh, pep okay, rally I to see be that. like, ah, I stole your hat, but I want him to, like, let me keep it because he loves me. This is actually a, a Riverdale. What kind of flirt are you? Are you a fan of Riverdale? Oh, yeah. I'm okay, cool. And now I watch seen, every episode, but... This is... Are you playful like Veronica Lodge or sweet like Betty Cooper? And this is, is written by, you know, this is the, that's the subtitle. It's on 17. Uh, and this author, Hannah I, Orenstein, I think went to NYU and she was uh, an editor at NYU Local. So shout out to NYU if that's ooh. the same person I'm thinking of. I don't think I've ever met her. I just used to enjoy her work. I would, I want to say I'm a Veronica, but doesn't everyone want to say that? So 
Um, do they? I guess they do. She's like the babe. She's like the she's like the sexy. She's like the sexy and, babe. Yeah, and like and like confident one. And Betty's the more like type A. Like it's funny because I used to when I read read those comics um, relate to Betty, <laughs> but that makes so much sense. Can I say it checks out yeah. and not hurt your feelings? I mean, you're still. I mean, you're like the hottest person I know. So it's like no knock on that. They're both hot, <laughs> uh, but I think that to me, well, I've always liked blondes, um, but to me, like like girl blondes, we I've always wanted. To, yeah, I've always just liked that. I, I think I'm very influenced by American media, but um, mm-hmm. growing up, I was like all American girl and Betty was supposed to be that. So I think that's mm-hmm. why I related to that. And also because Veronica was mean. She was so mean in the books. I didn't read any of the books. <laughs> so I just know about the tropes. I didn't relate to being a bitch. Um, I don't know if I like, I would have liked her if I knew about the meanness. Cause well, she was hot, but she was like the bitch. Like my, my hero, like who I wanted, the type of sexuality I wanted to give off was like a very Veronica Mars. Oh yeah. Vibe. She's cool. Like, I've got my own thing going on, but you might fall in love with me because of how much I have my own thing going on. Yeah. But I tried to like project that too much. That's good. <laughs> I can see that. Someone once told me that I reminded them of Ethel and I got so mad. But you didn't read the books. Ethel, I, thought, I don't know. think it's even I, I in the- I know she is in the show, but- Oh, um, oh yeah. She's Barb, right? But Ethel is like cute in the um, series, but she's like Jughead's girlfriend in the- oh book and she looks like Jughead or is it Jughead she looks like a cartoon character oh they're all cartoons she looks like a moose is what I'm trying to say she looks like um like one of those Disney um yeah skinny mice you know what I mean she looks like that let me see if I can find a picture because I'm like totally what if that's not her uh bet you can uh, Ethel Archie comic oh I guess she's not that bad but she's just kind of like Oh, she's cute. She's but okay. Yeah, she looks but like she's a supposed to be like a goofy, goofy yeah. goof. Okay, here we go. What kind of uh, flirt are you? What's your ideal first date spot? A party? A coffee shop? Okay, I know this is going to sound like I'm trying too hard to be a Veronica, but I'm going to say a party because my ideal first date is not a first date. It's like organically hitting it off. Yeah. So there like my current boyfriend, we hit it off at like, it was like a pseudo comedy show party. Uh-huh. And like, it, I just felt like I like became infatuated with him very organically and we didn't like have to force anything. Look, you don't have to explain. Uh, I believe you. Um, <laughs> what look would make you feel most confident on a first date? A bold red lip? A spritz of your favorite perfume? I feel like I know what you're going to say. <laughs> um, a bold red lip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you yeah, do sport I, the red I, lip. I wear a bold lip whenever I've decided I'm going to. I'm going to try. Yeah. <laughs> this quiz is very easy. Um, how would your friends describe you? Adventurous or thoughtful? Um, I guess I, I would hope I'm thoughtful, but man, this one's really throwing me for a loop. Um, God, it's like, I don't love camping, you know? <laughs> And I didn't go to Peru with all of my friends from high school, partially because I couldn't afford it, but partially because they were going to hike the Machu Picchu Trail. And I was just uh-huh. like, fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> and they proceeded to get like super vomity and, and like shit their pants the whole time. And I, I'm not Whoa. sure if they had a good time. That happens everywhere. It's called the Inca oh. Kiss. Oh, damn. Yeah. I don't know if that's racist. So uh, thoughtful. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> how comfortable are you with flirting? Not very. It makes you nervous. Very. You could write 17's love tips yourself. Gosh, very. I love to flirt. 
And I have written a lot of my <laughs> friends' texts, like flirty texts. Um, what's your go-to flirty move? You ask your crush out, why beat around the bush? You wait for a group study sesh. It's the perfect opportunity to get closer to your crush. First one, for sure. Okay. I love asking people out. I used to ask people out to breakfast because I thought that was fun and quirky. Oh, that's a great date mm-hmm. because then it's like, it's not like, like lunch and coffee is cliche, but breakfast is exactly. cute. Exactly. Yeah. And then dinner is just You see them in the morning. They can't be full. Fi- they can't be like full dressed up makeup. And well, I guess the guys yeah, wouldn't do that. But you chill. see them at cash. You, you can't like put on a fake uh, suit or whatever, you know? Yeah, it's chill. And then it's it's kind of, like to me, like if you're waking up and you're rolling out of bed and you're going to go to a date, then it like, again, it's, it's chasing that feeling of it not <laughs> actually being a date. Yeah, I like seeing people what they wear to work. Um, so I yeah. breakfast if they're working is perfect because you see what they're gonna wear to work, and then breakfast if you're not working is fine because then you can have a whole day together. If you if it works if out. it works out, yeah. Yeah. In your worst nightmares, how does your flirting go wrong? Your crush doesn't realize you're interested. You freeze up and don't know what to say to your crush. I mean, I feel like it gets so much worse. Like in my worst nightmares, if flirting goes wrong. <laughs> Um, they're married. I no, will have like hurt them. Mm. <laughs> like I think the worst thing that can happen, like actually this happened in an open mic once, <laughs> where like me and Allie Mack were joking around, and I like threw a water bottle, and it hit her nose, <gasps> and it like really hurt her. Oh no! And she was like, "What the fuck?" And I mean, she just reacted organically yeah. to like being hurt, and it was from me doing something stupid, and I was so embarrassed. Uh-huh. I like left. Oh, I like had to leave and it's the worst I've ever felt. So I think the, in my worst scenario, it'd be like something like that happened where I think also the feeling was that like, like Allie, what, like she, she didn't need to be, but she wasn't like, haha, it's cool. Like, that's funny that ouch, but like, it's cool. She was very much like, ow. And I was like, oh, does this mean that like, I definitely don't have enough rope with you, uh, this (laughs) friend that I think I have. Um, oh, people and react I'm to actually pain. not, you know, like liked enough to to like pull off hurting <laughs> someone in a joke. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like it'd be part of that. So like if I hurt my crush and he was just like, what uh-huh. the fuck? Like, fuck you. You know, like. So that sounds uh, like your crush doesn't realize you're interested. Um, kind of because they would think that you're trying to hurt them. Yeah, let's go with that. OK. Although you did freeze up when you met Harry Styles. Um, <laughs> I did freeze up. Right. But I it was it would have been inappropriate for me to do say, do or say anything. I'm glad I didn't. You should have thrown him. a water bottle at him. Uh, which celebrity do you want to be best friends with, Zendaya, Zendaya, mm-hmm. or Gigi Hadid? Gigi Hadid. How would you describe your crush, or I guess it would be your boyfriend? Popular, outgoing, and fun. Smart, sweet, and just a little bit nerdy. Smart, sweet, and just a little bit nerdy. And finally, it, which Taylor Swift lyrics describe your <gasps> attitude towards your crush? Maybe I should just let you say the lyrics but that and see if they fit any of these. No, I would. Okay. I'd love for you to read uh, them. You look like bad news. I gotta have you from mm. 22. Or Romeo, take me somewhere we can be alone from Love Story. Yeah, I mean, neither. <laughs> I, I would say the feeling that I have when I have a crush on someone is that incredible bridge from Enchanted <laughs> when she's like, I was enchanted to meet oh, yeah, you. Yeah. And she goes... Um, Please don't be in love with oh, someone yeah. else. Please don't have somebody waiting, waiting on you. you. That's how I feel. Love that song. So that's so. Let's say um, 
it's closer to yeah it's closer to love story era yeah yeah, yeah. so i'm gonna go with that i love that bridge so much because it's truly like that's the feeling of like when you click with someone and you meet someone and there's that spark you're just like fucking please i want you like please don't love to have a crush please don't be unavailable to me (laughs) um so you got I mean, I think I know what you got, but I want to say uh, it makes me count it, which is very annoying. One, two. It makes you count it. The oh, one, two, three, four, five, six. I mean, you got six Veronicas, uh, which is the majority, and then I think you got four well, Bettys. So I'm pretty even. So here we go. You got uh, your bold. Oh no, six and three. I think. Wait, hold on. Close enough. But you definitely got more. Your Veronica. Watch your bold flirt. You're confident, outgoing, and instinctively know how to turn on the charm. Hell yeah! You, you don't see anything wrong with just coming out and saying, "Hey, I like you." You know from experience that it works. Yeah, I'm a sociopath. <laughs> Did you ask your boyfriend out the first time, or who approached who? Um, we have differing opinions on how it first started, but <sighs> his we met at an open mic, and he did a set and mm-hmm. I thought he was cute and so I came up to him and oh, I said okay. um that set was delightful and he said thanks and we like exchanged names but then he was there with a good friend of his who's happens to be beautiful shout out Amina uh-huh. and I thought they were together because they were so nervous at the open mic that they were like <laughs> standing really close to each other and like being each other's confidants and so I like truly wrote him out of my mind because uh-huh. it's like you know I don't like Falling in love with someone at no open Please mic. Don't <laughs> <laughs> Truly, yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we ran into each other at uh, a, a different show, like a week or two later. Mm. And I forgot that we had met. And I thought he was cute. And he was saying, like, I was leaving the party, and he was saying bye to my friend Olivia. And then I said, "Yeah, bye. Nice to meet you." Like jokingly. And he was like, "We have met." And I was like, "What?" Uh-huh. And so I started that. Uh-huh. But then it you was put like it out very, there. very reciprocated. And I, I feel like I, d- I definitely think I texted mm-hmm. like the next time we like hung out. So yeah. he's the Archie to your Veronica. Um, thank you so much <laughs> for coming on the podcast. Where can people find you? Uh, I'm at Ellie, E-L-L-I-E-M-C-E um, on all socials, Twitter, yeah. Instagram. Um, Facebook, if you're dying to hear my take on the <laughs> Silver Lake Neighborhood Council elections. Um, and yeah, maybe soon to TikTok. Yeah, I just fo- fell into a TikTok <laughs> hole recently. Follow her for exciting news and updates. Um, she may be an- announcing something soon. Ooh. We don't know. And you can follow this podcast at Tell Me Anything Pod and uh, follow me at Larissa T. That's on L E R E S A T E E on all socials. Thank you. Goodbye.